Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study of God's word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Welcome back to Accessible Theology. It's Michael and Aaron here again. And uh, today, uh, when we are doing this podcast, we are going into the Christmas season. And so we wanted to take a, a brief moment to have a conversation on the incarnation because Christmas inevitably makes us think about what it means that God the Son took on flesh and the profound realities that are associated with that. They're so rich and so necessary for our lives that we want to take some time to hopefully make it more accessible and bring out what the Bible teaches on that for you. So, um, Aaron, I'm going to read John 1 verse 14, uh, kind of a key and classic text on Mm -hmm, this topic. mm -hmm. And then after I read it, you'll have three minutes to discuss the significance of the incarnation. Um, And if you could particularly gear it both in light of Christmas and then also why it was significant that God took on flesh, kind of tying those two things together for us. And uh, then we can have a conversation beyond that. Then. Sure. So John 1, 14 reads, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Aaron, you have three minutes to discuss the incarnation starting now. All right, I'll just, I'll just start by uh, simply defining incarnation. Uh, I took three years of Latin in high school, so you can basically call me an expert. Um, But incarnation, if you break it down, is just a word that means to become flesh. Exactly as John says in chapter 1, verse 14. Um, And so if you hear the word incarnation thrown around a lot during this Christmas season, that's exactly what what we're talking about. The, The fact that Jesus is taking to himself flesh. Now, I think I also need to be honest here and and say that there is a belief that is very popular, that is wrong, that I once held uh, that is, um, I mean, it's heresy is what it is, that Jesus came into existence at his birth on Christmas. Um, that is that's that's heresy that's wrong uh and it is not it if you believe that you are not properly to be called a christian and as as soon as your conscience is educated on that matter you stop believing it and believe the truth and and so the truth is that jesus existed eternally uh in not not in the form of flesh but what's happening at christmas is that he is taking uh our nature to himself. He is, he is adding to himself flesh. Uh, And so the importance of that is that he is coming to this earth uh, to, to become like us, to become our sympathetic high priest, to become the one who is tempted in every way and yet is without sin. And it would be meaningless if uh, he did this without taking on our nature. So, so the importance of, of, of him taking on our nature is that he is uh, exactly, again, as John says, that he is becoming like us. He's becoming flesh and dwelling among us, uh, tabernacling among us. Uh, and so 
the importance of Christmas is that uh, the incarnation, first and foremost, that Jesus is taking on flesh, but he's he's taking uh, our nature and, and he's becoming like us so that when we get to the crucifixion, uh, the, the penalty that he's paying can be applied to us. Uh, if it were not for the fact that um, he were like us, then, then his sacrificial death on the cross would not be able to be applied to us, uh, or else we could have kept going with the, the sacrificial system seen in the Old Covenant. Uh, and so uh, the incarnation matters for, for crucifixion, but it also matters for the fact that we have a, a high priest who is like us. And my time is up. Time. Right. Yeah, one thing I'm fond of saying when I think about the incarnation is that essentially God became man to save man from God, <laughs> like yeah. I said, which is just, I mean, yeah. it's earth shattering to think of that concept. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's glorious. I, I think we could also, we could call Christmas the incarnation invasion, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, that God has invaded this sin uh, cursed world to bring about redemption, which mm-hmm. is uh, mm-hmm. glorious indeed. Um, one thing I, I that comes to mind as you were talking there, Aaron, is that uh, John Piper, I think, is helpful when he says um, that the first thing we learn about the incarnation is that it condemns the flesh. Mm-hmm. Because as Romans 8.3 says that because God sent his son in the likeness of human flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. So in other words, we as humans cannot save ourselves right. and, are, and, are, and are dead in our sins. And Paul uses that word flesh to kind of encapsulate what it is to be human and fallen. Mm-hmm. And Jesus takes it on and glorifies it. And mm-hmm. and just like uh, we've talked about before, how grace restores nature. Jesus restores, you could say, humanity by his perfect obedience when he took on flesh. Um, now, Aaron, one thing I wanted to clarify, I wanted to make sure we agree here. Uh, I believe we do, but just to clear up maybe some wording that you'd used. Sure. You said that the heresy that you left, um, which which would believe that Jesus was a you know created being, right? That's Arianism. They believe Arianism. that Jesus was created. Yeah. You said that Jesus existed eternally. Do you yeah. do you think that's a the best way to put it? Or like I think of saying yeah. the Son existed yeah. eternally yes. in the Father, Son, Spirit, and that Jesus, you could say Jesus had a beginning, but that's saying that's speaking to his humanity. Would you yeah. agree with that? Do you think that yes. that's parsing that's, it too closely? That is no, I, I don't think that's parsing it too closely. I think okay. that's that is a helpful distinction, and it's not. I don't think it's overly common, and that's only it's something that I've only uh, come in contact with recently i think mm-hmm. it was last semester the first time i heard it mm-hmm. um but yes the sun exists eternally and mm-hmm. he is eternally the sun but then in time uh is is taking on flesh and by so doing fulfilling the, the prophecies of of what is spoken of the messiah mm-hmm. um and yeah so so Yes, good clarification. Yes. Yeah, I just wanted to. I, I figured we're on the same page. But yeah, these, and, and you have to be so careful in these conversations because you're always you always feel like you're dancing around heresy oh. when you're talking about these. Yes. So I, I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. But yeah, what Aaron just said can be encapsulated in Galatians four four, where we read, "But when the fullness of time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, under the law, so that He might redeem those." who are under the law, that mm-hmm. they might be receiving the adoption as sons and daughters. So yeah. I think it's important to clarify that that God sent his son. So from eternity past, so 
God never had a beginning, nor will he have an end because he's eternal. And that is speaking of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit who are co-eternal and lived forever together and will live forever together. And mm-hmm. so it's significant to have these conversations and to be clear. Yeah. So Aaron, when we think about the incarnation what it means that Jesus took on flesh, do you do you think that that do you think that taking on flesh took away from his divinity? So is adding flesh somehow degrading or how would you think through that to mm-hmm. say God taking on flesh? How, what does that flesh do? Is it taking on, is it, is it making him worse or better? Right. How, how is right. that? Well, I would go to Philippians two, okay. which, um, I think is probably the basis for any discussion that we would have on that matter. Uh, and look at, um, five through 11 specifically though verse seven uh, where it says that he emptied himself by taking the form of this of a servant being born in the likeness of men so i i don't think that um jesus taking to himself the form of a servant is decreasing his divinity mm-hmm. um it's, it's, I think, um, I think the way that Augustine says that is he's adding humanity to his divinity, which then allows for the fact that, um, the, the divinity remains unchanged. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say, yeah, I think one of the theological words people use is that he assumes yes. humanity, which doesn't degrade or take away from. So it's not like he becomes less God. Right. He is 100% man 100 percent god we would yeah. say in that. yeah uh, let me ask so we're not losing john 1 14 here so yes. it says and the word became flesh so to be clear do you believe jesus is the word and what what do you think john's thinking of when he calls jesus the word becoming flesh or what's going on um yeah so there's i know that there's much debate on this and specifically uh the the word that's being used there logos um, and what exactly that all means. Uh, but I think, I think that is just simply speaking, uh, to, um, speaking to the eternality of the son again, as we've already mentioned Mm -hmm. and, and the role that he has played and will continue to play as the, I don't want to say voice box of God, but as, as, um, the agent through whom the father is working and speaking by the spirit would right. be the word or the son. As Hebrews one, three says yeah. he's the expression of the invisible God, right? Yeah. He's the radiance yeah. that reflects. And, and, mm-hmm. and as John also says in this, how he says that, um, in verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. God, the only son who is in the arms of the father, mm-hmm. he has explained him. So we could yeah. say that Jesus is the manifestation, like the, or as someone say, the ultimate revelation yeah. to us of yeah. who God is, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, further, with John 1.14, so the word, it says, became flesh and dwelt among us. You mentioned how that word dwelt is literally tabernacled. What is the significance of us seeing Jesus being called the, the one that tabernacles among us or lives among us where's where's that significance coming from that's going back to the old testament and and looking at um 
the, well, the tabernacle, which uh, was eventually replaced by the temple uh, as kind of, so the tabernacle was, was the mobile presence of God, I guess would be the, mm-hmm. the short and sweet way to explain it. But um, it was, it was where the presence of God dwelt with man in, in visible form. And so uh, it was, it was significant and yet it was temporary and it was movable, which I think, I think is kind of twofold in its importance where Jesus is the presence of God dwelling with us visibly. And yet he was doing so in, in our form, which uh, is mobile, mobile, and, and which, whatnot. and just yeah. to clarify, yeah, what Aaron's gonna is helpful. There is the temple was a massive construct that you couldn't just pick up and move. It was destroyed right. and had to be rebuilt. Tabernacles were like tents or forts that, as Israel was wandering in the wilderness, they would set up for temporary as they stopped from one place as, and before they moved on to another, and they would set up this tabernacle, and that's where God would would um, reveal himself to them where they could do sacrifices where they could you know whatever it may be the tabernacle was the place where that happened what before the temple came into being which is a so when jesus is called you know the tabernacling among them he's real it's really important it's showing how god is um being favorably present because we believe mm-hmm, god is mm-hmm. omnipresent god is everywhere but right. when, so when we say god is present with us we're saying that god is saving us that god is in a friendly relationship that he's not just visiting us in wrath right but that he's desiring to be with us and to have a father relationship or a son relationship Mm -hmm. right he wants a close uh kinship with us we would say yeah yeah and that's so that's why i i really enjoy the gospel of matthew i mean obviously john is is great and and has his particular role to play in the canon but Mm -hmm. matthew Within the opening pages, the the name that we see given to Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us, and that is exactly exactly what He's coming to do uh, in in His in in taking on flesh. He's coming to be with us, and then even after the crucifixion and resurrection in the Great Commission in Matthew twenty eight. Uh, the final words that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he says, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And, and so it, it kind of bookends with with the presence of God among us, which is kind of a big deal mm-hmm. that, that we have the presence of God with us, which continues even to this day by the spirit. Uh, and so, um, yeah, just the importance of, of the fact that Jesus takes on flesh and is with us. Uh, and even that continuing to this day is, I think, something that we should we should, yeah, just take take time to consider and even uh, worship God for in the season of Christmas. Yeah, what, what's so incredible to consider is how uh, in John, uh, it's either fourteen or sixteen, um, Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to be leaving them, and they're concerned, and he tells them that that the spirit um, will be with them, but he will be in them. Yeah. And that, that that spirit that will be in them is the very spirit of Christ. And so when Jesus says at that great commission, I will be with you always mm-hmm. to the end of the age, we know when we tie that together with other scriptures, that that is ultimately what he's saying there is that by his spirit, he is in us. And that yeah. in us is such a intimate thing, right? Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's not just, 
around us, but it is in us. So yeah. God, God is not just with us, but he's in us. He's so closely identifies with us that he gives us his very self to, so yeah. that he is in us. And as Jesus also says in those John 14 through 16 passages, how he, he says how the father will make his home with us. So there's just such a closeness that we have with our triune God, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is all predicated upon Jesus taking on flesh yeah. so that yep. we can have that triune reality and connection with our God and God he took on flesh so that we could become partakers of the divine nature and be yeah. united to our triune God so Jesus says I want to be glorified so that they may be one with us as we are one with each other which yeah. I can't think of anything more explosive and joyous as I read the Bible than yeah. this reality that where Jesus tells in his prayer to the father that he wants us to be with with him as he yeah. is with the father like yeah. that's yeah. that is an unbelievably rich reality and it's possible because of the incarnation yeah. um and so Amen. so aaron one last quick thing then so if if you were trying to explain the incarnation um to somebody and you ha- you had to kind of pick like i know there's so much you could say yeah. but if you had to pick your favorite reality that, that that you come back to when you think about incarnation like what comes to your mind first as like just massively significant what would it be um that's a good question i oh man so many things <laughs> um i think i i mean i already mentioned god with us uh-huh. that's that's huge um also just the fact that um even in his being with us he remained without sin um I, yeah i probably probably sinlessness <laughs> yeah i mean the i guess i guess the gospel really hinges on the fact that we have a a sinless sacrifice mm-hmm. uh and that sinless sacrifice is like us. Uh, and so that is, that's a direct result of the incarnation. Yeah. How would you answer that question? Yeah. I think Colossians comes to mind when I think of the incarnation and in that when it says that the fullness of God dwells bodily, uh, to know that flesh does not inherently have sin to it in such a way, like Jesus perfects humanity so that in heaven we will be, in flesh will be humans with a physical body that do not yeah. sin yeah. because Jesus shows us and is the first fruits of demonstrating how God takes on flesh and does not fall to sin. So yeah. what a glorious reality is that's not like we have something fallen in, in our flesh and this in such a way where we can never experience sinlessness, but because Jesus was sinless, because matter is not inherently sinful, God can it's amazing to think that God could take on creation onto himself. Like he could yeah, take on flesh yeah, yeah. and that he's not affected by it, but that he cleanses it. So I think of how Jesus in Mark five, how he touches the demoniac mm-hmm. and the demoniac becomes clean. Jesus doesn't become dirty. Yeah, and you just yeah. see that God, yeah. as he interacts with physical matter, he perfects it. Yeah. He doesn't become tainted. Yeah. And I think that reality just excites me to think about in the incarnation. There's that there's that one line in a beautiful eulogy song, the infinite becomes infant. Yeah. And someday I will preach a Christmas sermon titled that. The infinite <laughs> becomes infant. Yep. Yeah, it's a good way to end thinking of this holiday season as we think about Christmas and what it means. We hope that this 
uh, discussion stirs up joy in your heart thinking about who Jesus is and the fact God became man to mm. save man from God's wrath. What a glorious reality we have there. So until next time, we want to charge you as always to love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Thank you.